Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ben. It's amazing to be with you here, guys, this morning. It's always a privilege and an honor for Chris and I, and I to be coming to Christ Community Church. And now we're joined as well with our newborn, Joseph. Man, it's amazing to be a parent. I remember when... Um, when I was doing my master, my, my mother only, she went to high school and grade, there was 13 grades back then, and that was, that was good if you finished 13th grade in it. And she was so proud that her son went to university and went to grad school, and she was like, you're so smart, Samuel. And I was like, oh, thank you, Mom. And, and then I had a child, and I was like, Mom, how did you do this? Four times you are so smart. It's amazing. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought my mom was smart, but in the last three months, she got a lot smarter than she's ever been in our life before. <laughs> it's crazy the things that happens to you when you become a parent. And a lot of things, I remember my mom growing up, she was like, you'll understand when you have children. Okay, mom, I'm not stupid. I can understand things. But you just don't understand. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sorry, Mom, for doubting you all these years. So we're here today with Joseph, and my wife and I are very happy to be with you. And I think that it's very fitting, while your pastor is in France, that you have the French speaker come. (laughs) So thank you for thinking about us. We always love being here. We know you guys are amazing partners, that you believe in the vision for UCM to equip university students to be Christian leaders in their family, in their church, in their community, and in their workplace. And it's been amazing to walk along you guys and to see God move in mighty ways on the campus. There are so many stories I wish I would sh- could share with you this morning, but Ch- Pastor Chelsea said I only have about 25 minutes, 30 minutes, so I'll keep it short but I want to share one story because it's just so amazing what God is doing. And uh, we do every year an outreach event called the Easter Egg Hunt where we had this crazy idea of hiding plastic eggs and believe that young adults would be interested in going on a hunt, on an Easter egg hunt, you know, like, uh, and they did, which is amazing. We had some uh, doubters at first, but now we have believers. We hid, th- we hide thousands of eggs I mean, this year we had 3,000 little plastic eggs, and inside the plastic egg there's a little ticket that invites the students to come on Thursday night at UCM and get a prize. And we go around businesses around Nanaimo and ask them, well, do you partner with university and give a prize? And so we had over $5,000 worth of prizes this year that we gave out. And over 400 students came on the Thursday night to get their prize. It was an amazing outreach. It was awesome to see people be excited about UCM. And, and one of the person that was there, his name, um, actually, I'll skip his name, but he works for the Student Affairs, and he, wa- he wanted to shake my hand, so he goes through the crowds, and he's trying to find me, and he finds me, and he shakes my hand, and he says, Samuel, it's amazing what you guys are doing on campus. We need to talk about how we can partner together. And I thought that was amazing. I said, yes, we do. And so then, then he left, and two weeks later, I hadn't had a chance to connect with him at that point yet, and we had the, the UCM Gala, which some of you came, and thank you so much for supporting this. And he came, which was amazing for multiple reasons, because first of all, he's busy, 
but most of all, he's a Muslim. He's not a Christian. And so I thought it was really amazing that he would take the time to come to the UCM gala. And after the gala, at the end, I went and I said, thank you for being here. And he said, this is so cool what you guys are doing. And I love everything that you guys are doing. He said, how much does it cost for food for UCM on, on a Thursday night? Because I, I, I want to sponsor a night of food. And I was like, I didn't know what to say because you see, a lot of the food we get, we get for free. But he's giving me money. <laughs> he's offering me money. So what do you say? It costs a lot. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say, but I just, I just couldn't make stories up. And I was just like, honesty is my best policy. So I just, I went and I said, well, you know, a lot of the food that we get, we get almost for free. We get pretty much all of it for free. And uh, he said, okay, well, what if I did a pizza night? I'm like, I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> so I said, this year we've averaged between 80 and 90 students. So uh, pizzas for 80 to 90 young adults, bottomless pit people, is, uh, it's a lot of pizzas. So I said, maybe 500. He said, okay, we'll do that. And I said, we'll have to talk about how we can transfer the money from the student affair to UCM. And he says, no, 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 Sam, I want to do this. And I was so blessed to see that God is even speaking to Muslim about supporting the work that he is doing on campus, that even people that don't follow Jesus yet, that don't know him, and I really believe God is working in his heart, but even at this point in his life, he's seen and recognizing the hand of God on this ministry and wants to be a part of this. And I know that this is not happening because I'm a great leader or because we have a good leadership team, but this is happening because we have people in the city that pray for this ministry every day and every week, this battle. This is a spiritual battlefield that is happening in our universities right now in Canada and I know that the victories and the successes that we experienced at VIU is because of your prayers. And so thank you so much for praying for us, for supporting us financially. And I, if you're not on our newsletter that I send every week, a little thing, it's a little picture, an encouragement, and a prayer request, please come see us at the end of the service. We'll be in the back. Come meet Joseph, talk to my wife, ask me any questions that you have, and maybe God is speaking to your spirit, and he says, I want to be a part of this. And I can give $100. I can give $200 a month. Please come talk to us. We want to connect, sign up for the newsletter, stay up there and, and pray for us because we know that this battle is not won by shouting, but it's one on our knees praying to God to come and intervene like he has been doing. So thank you so much for that. This morning, I am sharing on 1 Samuel chapter 8. I love the, um, the theme for the summer, which is, uh, what is it, like a, a summer with the king or something like this, summer among the kings. I thought this is really great. Uh, not that I really think that I'm the king, but I'm really happy to be here with you guys this morning. And for, so Pastor Chelsea sent me a few passages to choose from. And I've always wanted to preach on First Samuel chapter 8, but I was always afraid to go into it because it's not the kind of feel-good um, chapter where it's easy and you have your three points you know quite well laid out and it makes sense and it flows well together and but I was like I want to study this passage and so I spent some time praying and and studying this passage and I really believe God's put a good message this morning it was good for me so hopefully it's good for you too and I titled this it's not you 
And it reminded me when I started UCM three years ago on campus, I was so excited. I was full of zeal, full of passion, full of excitement. And I spent the whole summer emailing people on campus and trying to see where can we get involved. And we can get involved here and trying to find out who is in charge of that and emailing them. And we can get involved here and, and there and trying to email them. And I sent so many emails. And after two months, I still had no replied. No one replied to me. And I was like, God, I thought you wanted me to be here. But no one replied to me. Everyone was ignoring me. It was hard. It was so hard. And then finally, one morning I got up and I went to the computer and I had an email from BIU. Yes! Finally, someone, someone noticed me. Someone messaged me. And I opened the email all excited. Hi, Samuel. My name is la 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 And I'm just wondering, why do you keep emailing me? What are you doing here? Stop emailing me. You have no business on campus. Nobody wants you. Please stop. That's not what I was expecting and not what I was hoping. And I was like, this is not an answer to my prayer. Rejected so hard. But I really believe it was God that wanted me to be on campus. And so I started showing up in September anyway and tried to do some work and, and went to the student and went to the student affairs and went to different departments and be like, how can we be a blessing? How can we work together? And they were really suspicious at first about what was going on. Why are these, this weird person wanting to bless us or help us? What is the catch? And just really try to serve them and and be there. And slowly God started blessing the ministry. And, and they started to notice that, oh, he really is here just to be a blessing. And they started to see that. And they started to pour into it. And God started adding people to this ministry. And yeah, sure, I worked hard. But I know that this was God at work. And recently God revealed to me something that I want to share with you this morning. And that's the title of the message is that God revealed that it wasn't me they ignored. It wasn't me they rejected. It wasn't me they criticized. That it was God. And some of you this morning, you've been criticized for your faith. You've been rejected and ignored for what you had to say. But I want to tell you this morning, it's not you they mistreated. It's God. And as we read from First Samuel chapter 8, when the Israelites went to Samuel, after all the victories that they had enjoyed, after God giving them their land, after Samuel judging the country, and God giving them military victories after victories, the people went to Samuel and they said, Samuel, we want to be like all the other nations. Give us a king. We don't want God as a king anymore. We want a man that we can see and follow. They wanted to be like the other nations. They saw that other nations could commit sin and be able to get away with it easily. And they knew, and they knew that a king could fight their battles. Perhaps they were tired. And they saw that other nations were comfortable and that they could enjoy sinning at a low cost. And they wanted that for themselves too. You know, I just had this picture of God telling me, God, Samuel, go to your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Reach your neighbor. And I'm like, but God, you don't understand. There's a new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Netflix. I have to watch this. I've worked so hard all day. Don't I deserve to rest? And my neighbor does not want to talk about Jesus. I'm pretty sure that he's resting from his hard day at work. He deserves to be comfortable. I deserve to be comfortable. Don't I deserve to sit down and relax too? 
and realizing that serving God is not easy. Being a Christian is difficult. It means that at times you'll be criticized, you'll be rejected, you'll be ignored. But remember this one, it's not you. It's God they rejected. But Samuel stood up as a strong leader in Israel as he watched his people walk away from God, asking what the world had to offer, and it hurt him to the core. And I know that some of you this morning, you're watching your friends, but more hurtful is you're watching your children walk away from Jesus. And it hurts. And just like Samuel, you do your best to help your people, but they don't want to be helped. They just want to be like the other nations. They criticized Samuel, they rejected him, and they ignored his warnings. But as we see in 1 Samuel chapter 8, it's not Samuel they criticized, it's not him they rejected, it's not him, him they ignored, it's God. And I want to encourage you this morning to be careful and not, and stop praying these challenges away in your life, because as we're going to see, rejection and criticism can be God's vessel to fulfill his promises in your life. Growing up, I grew up in a Christian family, and, and I don't want to boast this morning in, in my great abilities, but I was a pretty good Christian. I even took notes during the sermons. And if you came to see me at the end of a sermon, I could tell you everything the pastor said and did that was wrong. <laughs> I was a criticizer. I repent from it now, but man, I was good at it. And I remember one, one night after your youth pastor was done preaching, I just felt a sense of duty and responsibility that I was called from God to go share with him all my notes. That was not from God. But, um, but I went to him and I shared, and then he says, you know, Samuel, this is kind of hurtful. Maybe next time you should wait. And I said, but it's the truth. Don't you want to know the truth? Well, a few years later, I was preaching. And man, I realized this is a lot harder than it looks. It's easy to sit out there and criticize them. It's easy to sit there and criticize the government. It's easy to sit there and criticize the city council. It's easy to sit by there and say, oh, man, if I was in charge in this business, what would I do? It's easy. It's so easy. But now I was preaching, and at the end of the sermon, I saw him. He had a piece of paper with notes on it. My legs went numb. I think I had to sit. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this when it's payback time. I was so stressed out. It came to me. And it was a list of all the things that I had done right in the sermon. Oh, man, it taught me a good lesson. And I wish that's what the people had when they came to Samuel, but... 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. So all the elder of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And I can only imagine, you know, like... That was my youth pastor coming to me with that sheet of paper. I saw him come in. I was like, this ain't good news. You know, if your children came all the way upstairs to ask you something and they're being nice to you, there's something they're hiding. And I'm just like, Samuel saw them. They came all the way, it says, to Ramah. Samuel's like, oh, man, what do they want again? They didn't come all the way here to send my prizes. And they start like this. Samuel. They said to him, you're old. Oh, man. Talk about not being nice, eh? But before I address this, let me just talk to the young people here this morning. That if you are young, you should be busy at work. 
Because there will come a day when you won't be as fast, where you won't be as efficient, where you won't be as strong anymore, and you won't be able to do the work that you can do right now. So don't waste your youth, but spend them being busy at work. There will be a day where you won't be able to work as hard anymore, and people will throw you to the curb. Don't wait to that day to start working. But perhaps you're older this morning and you say, that's exactly how I feel. The very people I slowed down my life for to take care of are now leaving me behind, leaving me to the curb because I'm not as fast as I used to anymore. They're being unkind, ungrateful, unjust, and it hurts. But I want to encourage you this morning, don't feel strange because this has been happening for a long time and Samuel went through the same a long time ago. Samuel was criticized for his age as if he could do anything about it. And some of you this morning, you're being criticized for things in your life you can't change. You're being criticized for the color of your skin, or you're being criticized for your sex, or you're being criticized about your color or about your family history. You're being criticized from your past as if there was anything you could do about it, but there is nothing. I want to encourage you this morning, don't take it to heart because it's not you that criticize, it's God. And we continue reading in verse 5. They said to him, you're old and your sons do not follow your ways. It was true. Samuel was old. And his son didn't walk in his way. And you think that didn't sadden Samuel? Of all people, he must have been the most disheartened person of all. To know that his children, to hear that his children weren't walking in the ways of God. But here's the thing you're going to give the enemy some credit when he criticizes you you see he will only criticize you on what you value because he knows what's important to you nobody will criticize you on things that don't matter to you the enemy wants to knock you off he wants you to fall and he'll criticize what matters most to you to get through to destabilize to to push you over and to make you fall To make you think that you are not good enough, that you are not strong enough. But guess what? It's never been about you. It's about God. And they continue saying, you're you're old, your sons do not follow your ways. Now, appoint us a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. You poured yourself your soul, your blood into this company for 10 years. And now they're firing you and they're saying it's your fault. Your children are now blaming you after giving all you had. And they're saying it's your fault that they don't experience the success in life they had in mind. Their words might be criticizing you, but it's not you that criticized this morning. Certainly you're not perfect, just like Samuel wasn't perfect. The tribes came to him and they said, It's your fault, Samuel, that we're not experiencing the military success we used to. It's your fault, Samuel, we're not experiencing the the economy boost that we used to. It's your fault, Samuel. Failing to realize that it was never Samuel who was in charge. It was never Samuel who was responsible for keeping and protecting the people. That it was God who was the one to give them victory in military conflicts. But somehow they thought it was Samuel. I mean, how nice of them, really. They thought Samuel was that powerful. When you're you're criticized this morning, rejoice a little bit in your heart because that means people think you're that powerful. People think that you can actually change things and you have control over this. But it wasn't Samuel that reigned over Israel. It was God. But the people failed to realize this. You and I both know you're not the one in charge. I'm not the one in charge. 
But those who criticize you think you are. So rejoice a little bit in your heart. And then remind them that it's God. It's not you. But it hurts. It hurts to be rejected. In 1958, the Illinois legislature, using an obscure law and not wanting to see Abraham Lincoln appointed, actually sent Stephen Douglas to the U.S. Senate instead of Abraham Lincoln. Even though Abraham Lincoln had won the popular vote. And when a friend asked Lincoln how he felt about it, he said, I feel like a small boy who hit his toe. I'm too big to cry, but it hurts too much to laugh. Being rejected hurt. And some of you this morning, you felt just like Abraham Lincoln felt on that day. You felt like you're too big to cry, but too badly hurt to laugh about it. You wish you could laugh, but it hurts too much to laugh. We continue reading in verse 6. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he went and prayed to the Lord. This is exactly what we should do when we are rejected, bring it to the Lord. This displeased Samuel. Literally in the Hebrew, the word displeased here, this seemed evil in the eyes of Samuel. Samuel recognized that their request was evil. And I think it's one thing to make a poor life decision, but it's a whole other one to look and to watch the people you love and care for do evil. Because you know what's around the corner. You know what's coming. God's promises are yes and amen. And what he promised that will happen if we follow him, he will bless us. But he also promised that he would curse us and destroy us if we don't follow his ways. And we see the people we love turn away from God and walk away from his path and live and choose what the sin had, has to offer. And we know that they will suffer. And you try to get involved, but you get ignored. You get rejected. You get criticized. But it's not you they reject. You see, Jesus had to be rejected. He had to be sent to the cross. There is no resurrection without the cross. There is no resurrection without the rejection. Have you ever thought that rejection might be God's vessel to fulfill his promise in your life? God has victories coming out for you. And the rejection isn't because you did something wrong. But it's actually God's vessel to bring his promises true in your life. Verse 7, God is talking to Samuel and he's talking to you this morning. He says, it's not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me, God says. It's not you. It's me. It's not you your children ignores. It's God. It's not you your parents rejects. It's God. It's not you your boss criticizes. It's God. And God is allowing this to happen because he has something better, something good in plan for you. And he's allowing some of you to go through this because something has to die in you for something better to come alive. But that's not easy. You see, because like Samuel, You'll be ignored at time. And I tried to make my sermon as engaging as possible, add some humor, some time. I speak fast to keep everybody glued to it, and you can't zone out because you miss so much. And once someone fell asleep in my sermon. (laughs) 
Someone feels the Holy Spirit talking to them this morning. But uh, so he fell asleep. I was trying to ignore looking at that person. But I couldn't help it. I was drawn to looking at him. And, and I was like, how dare he fall asleep during my sermon? Why did he bother coming to church? And I'm trying to stay focused on the message. And I'm distracted by this person falling asleep. And finally, I make it through the message. And at the end of the service, guess who's coming to me? The sleeping person. And I can see him come. And I was like, I had a picture of my youth pastor. Oh, man. He thought I was so bad he couldn't stay awake during my sermon. And I couldn't see his piece of paper, but perhaps he was hiding it. I was like, my youth pastor was nice to me a few years ago, but this guy's going to give it to me today. And I thought, no, I'm not going to let him. I'm going to tell him. I saw you were asleep. How dare you criticize me? You were asleep. God's been teaching me something very important. And it's to keep my mouth shut sometimes. I'm not very good at it. Sometimes, I don't know if it's because I'm French or what, but... It seems like I speak my mind too much. And God's been showing me that it is an amazing blessing to keep your mouth shut sometimes. So he came to me and he says, Samuel, this was so good. And this is the moment where I'm glad I listened to the Holy Spirit saying, Samuel, keep your mouth shut. Because I just wanted to be like, you were sleeping. How dare you? You were so distracting. And he says, it was so good. I had to close my eyes to focus on what you were saying. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus, for keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> oh, man, I was embarrassed. And only God saw this happen. I was like, thank you. Not what I was expecting at all. And I wish the people wouldn't have been ignoring Samuel on that day. Because he preached an amazing sermon to the people. From verse 11 to 20. He told them, if you ask for a king, you will put a consequence from it. You think you're trying to protect your sons and your daughters about the, the calamities that can happen to you? But don't be fooled because a king will take your sons. A king will take your daughters. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage. He will take a tenth of your flock. And that is on top of the tenth that you have to give to the Levites. He'll take everything you have. Because whatever you're not willing to give to God this morning, the enemy will steal it from you. The key word in Samuel's speech was not take, it was not give, sorry, it was take. Some of you, what you fail to realize in your life isn't what sin is going to give you, but it's what sin will take from you. You see, they didn't want God as their king because they knew that if they sinned and provoked God to anger, that they will have to pay the consequence. They would rather be able to sin at a cheap rate than follow God. They wanted to be like the other nation. They liked the comfort of their sin too much to give it up. They wanted Samuel to give, 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 give. They wanted him to give him a cane. But they failed to understand and realize what a cane would take. You see, often in life, we want God to give an answer to our prayer, failing to understand and realize what it would take away in our life. And Samuel tells them, if I give you a cane, you yourself, verse 17, will become his slaves. You see, sin takes so much in your life. It is God that sets us free 
But I don't think it's freedom people want. People want autonomy. They want to be able to do what they want when they want. They want someone to give them their rights. They want someone to give them what they can do. They want someone to give and to guide them. Where God says, I give you freedom. But people don't want freedom because freedom has constraints. Freedom is not a freedom to do what you want when you want. It's freedom to do the right thing. There's limitation to freedom, but people don't want freedom. They wanted to chase the desires of their flesh without realizing that they become a slave to it. But the Israelites ignored Samuel's warning. They ignored Samuel like your children ignored your warnings, your parents, your boss, your students been ignoring you, your brother, your friends. But it's not you they ignored. It's God. In verse 19, the people screamed to Samuel. They said, no, we want a cane over us. They didn't listen. It wasn't even the request for a king that was their greatest sin, but it was their insistence that God give them a king immediately. You see, God had a king in mind for the Israelite. His name was David, son of Jesse, a man after his own heart. The only thing is that the time was not right for him yet to be appointed as a king. And could it be for some of you this morning that God hasn't been answering your prayers Because he would prefer to bring up a David in your life than make you suffer through a soul. Could it be that God has something greater in in store for you, something better for you? It's just not the right time yet. Could it be that the worst thing God could do right now for you is answer your prayer by bringing a soul to ruin your life? You see, perhaps the reason God hasn't been answering your prayer is not because he's been ignoring you, but actually because he cares so much about you that he wants a David for you. But despite Samuel's warning that there was a David coming, the people refused to listen to Samuel. And I think it's one thing to be ignored by outsiders and people that don't matter to you, but it's a lot more hurtful when it's your own children, when it's in your own people, when it's your own family that ignore you, when those people who are supposed to love you, to care for you, to cherish you, to see the best for you, when these people ignore you. But you see, it's not you they ignored. It wasn't Samuel they ignored. It was God. Now invite the worship team to come. Get ready as I conclude this morning. The Israelite had given up on their spiritual battle. They didn't want to fight the battle anymore. Like Paul encourages us. Fight the battle. Fight the right battle. They were tired. They wanted someone else to fight the battle for them. And so they said in verse 20, A king we want, a king to lead us and to go before us and fight our battles. They wanted someone that they could follow, that they could see because it was too difficult. It required faith, you see, to follow God. And following God meant that sometimes they would be criticized, they would be ignored, they would be rejected. And the Israelites found this too hard. They found the Christian life too difficult because it is. The Christian life is not easy. Jesus never promised us an easy life. He promised us that he would never abandon us. That he would never leave us alone. That we would never be alone. But he never said it was going to be easy. He said, they hated me and they will hate you too. They rejected me and they will reject you too. They criticized me and they'll criticize you too. But remember, they hated me first. Remember, it's not you they hate. It's not you they criticize. It's not you they reject. It's me. You see, 
Some Christians want to take it easy like the people of Israel wanted to be. They wanted to be easy. They found it too demanding to trust an invisible God and obey His commandments. What about you this morning? Have you given up on God? Do you still have the strength to fight your spiritual battle? Or do you find it too difficult to follow an invisible God? Do you have the faith to obey the Almighty God this morning? And I believe that you do. And I hope you do. And that next time you're criticized for your faith, next time you're rejected for Jesus, next time that you're ignored, remember, it's not you. It's God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your prophet Samuel who stood up even when everyone around him wanted to desert you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a David in store for my brothers and sisters here this morning. And I pray that they will not give up in this time of dryness or in the storm that they are going through right now. I pray for my brothers and sisters here that are going through rejection, through criticism, and are going, Lord, through a period where everyone is ignoring them. I pray, Lord, that you will reveal yourself this morning to them, that you will give them a strength like you gave Samuel to stand up for what is right, to stand up for you, Jesus, and know that this strength is not coming from them, but it's you, Lord Jesus. That you take the bad and you take the good, Lord Jesus. That it's you that brings the victory and it's you, Lord Jesus, that can take this difficult time. And so we give it to you, Jesus, this morning. And we say, Lord, that we will follow you. We will follow you to the end, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you will give the strength to my brothers and sisters here to fight the right battle and to be strong in the word, Lord Jesus, to humble themselves and obey you even when they are criticized, rejected, and ignored because it's not them that they are mistreated, but it's you, Jesus. And so we give it to you this morning and we are encouraged that you promise you will never, never leave us alone, Lord. And we know that we, this morning, we want you, Lord, as a king. We reject what the world has to offer us. We reject what the world can give us, Lord. And we choose you this morning, Jesus. We want you as our king. For your glory, Jesus, we give it all to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.